week three of our toxin series, we're going to um, take on another toxin. I was thinking about, this is my favorite, some of you have heard this story, this is my absolute favorite church baptism story. Um, there was a church that was baptizing people, and in this church, it was a church in the round, and what that means is, like, we have a stage at the front, and then y'all are there looking, but it's church in the round, stage is in the middle, and then the chairs are all around. Have you ever been in a church like that? It's pretty cool. Anyway, they're having baptisms, but because the baptisms take place on the stage, there's nowhere for people to go and change. So they, the smart people, and we have those in our church, that figure out how to make things happen, they had hooked up like these big black curtains, one on one side, and it was a circle, and then there was another on the other side. So it was one side was for women to change in, and one side was for men to change in. This one man got baptized, you know, and he came out of the water, and he was like, that was awesome. So he goes over into the black area, and I cut the, behind the curtain, and he's changing. And the next woman, the next person, she gets in, she's a woman. And when she came up out of the baptism, like, she just, she was, you know, some people come up, they're like, thank you, Jesus. And some people come up, they're like, going into it and she was like dancing all around and like so thankful and she she was dancing she reached her foot out and she got her foot caught on that curtain and she pulled it and when she pulled it that man was I mean buck naked in front of everybody and so this usher like quick thinking usher thank you for those of you in the house that think fast he just cut all the lights out and he counts in his head, he counts to 30, and he cuts the lights back on, and that man was still standing there buck naked. <laughs> John Maxwell says, life is a matter of choices, and every choice you make makes you. Because this morning we're talking about the toxin of indecision, right? Like we, we have to make Choices. It can be a toxin. The enemy would love for us to get stuck in that land of, of unlimited choices. At some point, we have to just make a decision. So let me give you a little bit of nuance here. When I say the toxin of indecision, I don't mean that it's toxic to take the time to make a decision. Okay? Um, how many of you have ever made a big purchase, like a car, a house? And how many of you are... Where's my pros and cons people? You get out a piece of paper, you draw a line down. Raise your hand. Be proud of this, y'all, because you're the people that we're going to come to for counsel when we make big decisions. So when I say indecision, I'm not talking about that, like taking the time to decide, like, is this a decision that's good or bad? Is it worth saying yes or no? Jesus actually says, you can judge down in Luke chapter 14, verses 28 and 29. He says, suppose one of you wants to build a tower when you first sit down and estimate the cost, all the builders in the house are like, yeah, and see if you have enough money to complete it. Because if you lay the foundation and aren't able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you. Here, here's the thing. In the context of Jesus saying that, everything in that context is about making a choice. He says in verse 26, make a choice to come to him he says make a choice to love him more than even we love our family some people get hung up on that verse because it's where jesus says um if you don't love me more and, and hate your family and like wait wait I, I, should i hate my family like parents are like is that biblical and teenagers are like finally somebody gets it right 
But he doesn't mean hate like I hate you. He means the love I have for Jesus is so much more than the love I have for you that you might even interpret like I hate you, but I have to choose Jesus, right? So he's talking about making a choice. In verse 27 of that same passage, he says the choice to pick up our cross daily and follow him. So even as he's saying it's okay to take the time to weigh your options, he's saying it in the context of a delivery that says, no, you have to still make a choice. So he's not saying don't weigh the option. He's saying don't wait forever to make a choice. And that's what we're talking about this morning, indecision. So specifically, we're focusing on like the toxin of thinking that we can say yes to everything, keep all of our options open, get stuck or frozen in a place. God wants us to make a decision. Here's the big idea. And we're gonna, I'm, it's going to sound weird, but then we'll look at Joshua 24. It'll make more sense. The big idea is we want to collect many gods, but we need to select one God. Especially in our culture, y'all. We live in a culture of collection. Everybody's like, ooh, I like what that says in that. I'll take that truth, and I'll take that truth, and I'll take that truth, and I'll have this idol and that God. And we like to collect all these things. And God's saying, no, no, I don't need you to collect many gods. I need you to select one. I don't need you to stay in a place of indecision about that. I need you to make a decision. And here's what we'll find out about God today. He'd actually rather you not choose him than not make a choice. Have you thought about that? Remember when he said, like, you're neither hot or cold? So because you're neither hot or cold, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth? Think that through. We preach that, like, get hot, get hot. He's like, you're neither one or the other. You're lukewarm. I'd rather you be cold or hot. I'd rather you make a choice. Just don't think you don't have to. Man, that toxin of indecision is huge. So turn to Joshua chapter 24. We're going to kind of reference the whole chapter at some point. Um, but not yet. Let me give you two takeaways. Here's number one. Too many options will eventually overwhelm us. Now, let's break this down really quickly because some of you, um, I keep, I'm going to keep asking you to raise your hands, not to make you feel bad, just get a feel for the room. How many of you are people who like options? Raise your hand. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. So um, when I say that too many options will eventually overwhelm us, the important word there is probably eventually. We will eventually get to the place where we're like, it's too much. Uh, this made me think of Cheesecake Factory. Anybody like to go eat there? We love the Cheesecake Factory. Um, don't they have a humongous menu? You'll, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> good. You're in good company, right? Their, their menu, now it changes depending on where you go in the country. It's like regionally it changes. But they, there's 20 pages. It's a 20-page menu. They're like, welcome to Cheesecake Factory. Read a novel. There's 250 choices. And they're all good, yeah. And so here's what I found out about Cheesecake Factory. I looked it up. Like, how did it get to be so big? 
And the man who started Cheesecake Factory, he said he started it for one reason and one reason only. His mom made great cheesecake. And he wanted the world to know it. So he made a menu. It was just one page, a big page. The bottom half were cheesecakes, and the top half were whatever he knew how to cook, which wasn't much. And as they grew, and as competitors would come in and build restaurants, and people would prefer that food, he would add it to his menu. And so he said, he said, the reason our menu is so big is because I never wanted anybody to not get what they wanted at our restaurant. And so they just kept adding and adding and adding. Now they have, you know, their top 10 items that always get ordered. But at some point, too many choices will overwhelm us. And that owner said, we're not going to add anymore. 250 is the limit. <laughs> we're... Like when Winnie and I go and we're like thumbing through, right? I'm like, thank goodness he finally realized it. 250, maybe the limit was seven, right? But at least he recognized it. He's like, we're not going to add any more than 250. We might take some off, put some new ones on, but we will always stay at that number. So for people in the room that like your options, it's good to like options, but recognize this truth. At some point, because of the way we're made, all of us become overwhelmed when there's too many choices. Remember this. We don't like to choose. And because we don't like to choose, we start to collect things. Right? I'll just keep, I'll just take all of it. And that way I don't have to make a choice. And eventually that, it just becomes too much. It just overwhelms us. I don't know if you knew this or not, but you make an estimated 35,000 decisions a day. You're like, that's why I'm so tired. No, that's not why you're so tired. We'll talk about Sabbath another time. But 35,000, that's a lot. I'm not, I'm not sure I even think that's accurate. I don't even know how you would, how do they know? I mean, does somebody sit there and just go, there's one, there's one, there's one, there's Another one, another one. And I don't know how they figured that out. 35,000 is a lot. Some of you have already made, you made a decision right away, like, do I want to believe that statistic? But even cut that statistic in half. That's a lot of decisions. It's overwhelming. And at some point, we get worn down from trying to make a decision. Now, thankfully, car buying has changed, right, the way we do car buying. But how many of you can remember going to the dealership and spending a week there. And six of those days were just you waiting on the guy to come back from the manager. Right? Do you know why they do that? Again, if you're in the car dealership business, I'm not ragging on you. I'm just saying like what I've, I mean, this is what experts have studied and shown to be true. The reason that was set up that way was because they knew the longer you sat there, the tighter you got, and the less likely you were to make a rational decision. Which is why you took the warranty you didn't need. Because you were like, just, just give it to me, dude. Whatever. Just finish this thing up. Can I get out of here? It's all a strategy. Too many options and too much time to make it inevitably overwhelms us and we get tired. You're like, what in the world does that have to do with Jesus? I'm glad you asked. Joshua 24, 15. That's going to be our, our main text. It's going to be up on the screen for you. Joshua says this, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, 
whether the gods your forefathers served beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you were living, but as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. I would submit this, that because God is good and God is kind and also God made us, he knows how our brains are wired. He knows how we work. He didn't say to us, I now present to you endless possibilities because he didn't want to overwhelm us. He said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to boil it down for you right here and right now. Pick one. Just make one decision. Not from all the choices, but the gods your forefathers served beyond the river or the gods of the land that you're living in now or Joshua says, I'm picking Yahweh. Uh, do, do I have more options? No. <laughs> Sorry. It's like going to a restaurant and they say, um, here's the menu. And they just tell you <laughs> the two things you can pick. And most of us, because we have become collectors of things, we would say, is, is that all? Can, can, I, can I see another menu? And God's like, and I'm going to show you this in, in chapter 24. He recounts their history. Joshua's getting ready to die. He's at the end of his life. We spent yesterday with Wendy's side of the family um, in upstate South Carolina. And I just, at one point, one of, her, one of her aunts looked at me and she said, Paul's bored to death. And I was like, no, I'm not. I'm just sitting here listening because they were telling stories of their family's history. And I'm just, one, I don't have anything to contribute to that. And I just was taking it all in. And that's kind of what Josh was doing here. He's, like, getting to the end of his life, and he's, he calls all of them together. Like, hey, all y'all, come here. Let me tell you what God has done. Let me remind you of the history of what he's done in our people. Because I'm going to need you to make a decision. And I want to make sure you make an informed decision. And here's what he does in chapter 24. He takes them all the way back to the very beginning, verse 2. Joshua said to all the people, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. So everything from that point to the end is the Lord speaking. Long ago, your forefathers, including Terah, the father of Abraham, and Nahor, lived beyond the river. I don't know if you saw that in the, in the verse that we read when he said, like, which gods to choose? He said, whether you choose the gods that your forefathers worshipped on the other side of the river. And I was like, that sounds like we're going to grandma's house, doesn't it? You want to go to the other side of the river? Some of y'all from Mount Gilead and Troy are like, yeah, the other side of the river, right? This is who he's talking about. He says, your forefathers, they lived on the other side of the river and they worshipped other gods. But I. And he starts to talk about all the things that he did, God did. In about 12 verses, God uses the pronoun I 18 times. He's just hammering it home, right? I did this for you. I saved you. I healed you. I delivered you. I called you. I brought you out. We're so quick to tell God all that we've done for him, aren't we? But, but God, look what I've done. He's like, I love you, but you couldn't even make it through Leviticus, right? I did these things for you. And he just recounts all that he's done. And he recounts how they're now in the promised land. But what he's saying to them, because he's leading them to this verse that, we're, that we read, verse 
15, where he says, like, I want you to make a decision. What he's saying to them is, as you've gone through this history, as I have led you through this history, you have become a collector of many gods. Ooh, I like those idols that Abraham worshipped on the other side of the river. Let's bring those with us, too. Oh, now we're in the promised land. I've noticed there's some giant people here, and they've got different religions. I kind of like it. Let's keep those, too. And they've just collected these gods, these false idols, until now when Joshua is getting ready to leave, like any good parent would do, sits down with his kids, looks them in the eye, and says, i got to tell you something. Like, what you've collected is not good for you. It is overwhelming you. It is watering down your conviction. And I'm going to need you to select one. Pick who you will serve. It's because God's good. It's because he doesn't want to overwhelm us. It's a couple of things you can just jot down. Um, Proverbs 25, 16. He says, if you find honey, eat just enough. Because too much of it and you will vomit. That's literally what it says in Proverbs 25, 16. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6. Paul writes to Timothy and says that godliness with contentment is great gain. What is contentment? Contentment is the ability to say, that's enough. I'm good. Philippians 4.11, Paul says, I have learned the secret of being content in every circumstance. And so, listen, in a world that tells us more is better to become collectors, God tells us that less is healthier. He tells us to become selectors. I would just argue this, um, that thing that you have in your pocket the 24-hour around-the-clock connection to everything everywhere is evidence of what I just said. People are very hesitant to, to correlate the anxious generation that we live in to the invention of the phone. And I'm not an expert, but I don't mind making the connection. One of the reasons why we are such an anxious society is because we have the entire world at our fingertips 24-7, and we don't know how to turn it off. I, I pulled it out of my pocket. I'm not saying that's a y'all thing and I'm good. I'm just saying we, this is something we struggle with as a society because we have access to everything, everywhere, all the time. And too many choices eventually will overwhelm. And so God, because he's gracious, says, how about if we pick one? Which brings us to our second observation. Less is the door to more. Hey, Les. <laughs> he's like, I mean, I'm sitting next to the door. <laughs> how many of you have heard the expression, less is more? Right? It's just, you know, how we come up with these cute sayings. It's not. Less actually is not, it can't be. Like, less is less. But what, less is like, it's a sermon all about me. But less is the pathway to more. Less is the door to more. So God knows that. He calls us to choose. Luke 16, 13, he says this, no one, how many? No one. <laughs> Turn to your neighbor and say, this means you. All right? 
Because we're so quick to be like, no, 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 I'm going to figure out a way around this. When he said no one, he meant everybody but me. And he means no one. He said, no one, Jesus is talking, red letters, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And we take that passage and we talk about money all the time because that's the last word in it. And preachers will get up and say, the reason you don't tithe is because you chose the bank and your mortgage over God. And the reason why you don't, you're not generous is because you chose to give all your money away to entertainment and didn't save some to give to people. And all of those are true principles. But Jesus is not just talking about money. The principle that he's laying out is you can't serve more than one thing, one person. So choose. Who will you serve? And if you read that passage, the Pharisees begin to mock him. And the reason the Pharisees do that is because they had already made a choice. And it wasn't Jesus. Listen, I was thinking about this. I don't know if it was like a vision, but while we were worshiping and like people were just at the altar and they were just like, just, that hunger was rising up. I could just, in my mind, I think it was when you started singing like Let It Rain and in my mind, what I saw was just like a bunch of money just getting poured out. And I was like, oh, make it rain. I see what's happening right now, right? Like, let it rain. I just saw dollar bills and gold bars just, just being poured out right there. And I was like, what are you showing me, God? And that's what he said. He said, if that actually was happening right now, how many people would push people over to get to the front? Y'all be like, in Jesus' name, <laughs> get out. I'm going to get me some money, right? Like, it's when his presence becomes the most valuable thing. That's when we, that changes how we respond. It changes the choices that we make. And, and when we say, hey, it's got to be Jesus or everything else, the people that scoff at that are the people who have chosen everything else. The people who don't scoff at that are the people that chose Jesus because they have tasted and seen that he's good. And what we need to do, listen, you guys that have like, you're all in on Jesus, you don't need to shame the people who aren't. You need to show the people who aren't that you made a wise choice, that he's changed your life, that he was worth it. God knows that we will serve something or someone and so instead of overwhelming us with lots of choices, he simplifies it. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19. He says, today I've set before you life or death. In our passage, he says, choose those gods or choose me. Jesus takes it one step further and he just simply says, come, follow me. I mean, in a world full of unlimited choices, God really boils it down to that. Just come, follow me. This is not a theological statement, just an interesting observation that I made. Because our enemy, I believe he, he wants to overwhelm us with lots of choices, lots of distractions. And I think our father keeps trying to, like, m simplify it. So think back with me for a second to the Garden of Eden. How many of you would agree that God gave Adam very simple, 
clear instructions. Right? See all those trees? Eat from them. See that one? Don't. Now, if you've raised children, <laughs> you know how the simplest instruction can become a very complicated thing, right? We live in a complex world, don't we? Like I was talking about, like our brains are complex things, but it's not complicated. It's simple. Eat from those trees. Don't eat from this one. And what's, what did the enemy do? He, he suggested a third option. Some of you are like, I thought this was going to be really exciting. Just make sure you get this. He suggested a third option. And we can debate all day long what that option was and the ramifications of it all. All I'm suggesting is God made it clear and the enemy made it complicated. The enemy caused Eve to go, what? So you're, you're saying, I, I could eat that tree from that tree? I, I could become like God? I won't die? And all of us, because we have the forethought, I mean, the, the benefit of looking back, we're like, don't do it, Eve, right? You're going to mess us up. It's so clear to us, but in that moment, and can't you relate? Haven't you been in moments where you found yourself justifying to another person the decision that you were getting ready to make, and they were telling you, can't you see it? Can't you see it? It's so clear. That's a horrible decision. And you're like, no, it's just, no because of this and this and this and this. And, if you, and then if you carry the one, then this and this and this and this, and, and then asterisk point to this and this and this. And then you're like, you just laid out the most complicated flow chart, rationalizing your decision when the simplest decision is no. We do it all the time. We complicate because we want options. And God loves us and simplifies. Full circle back to Cheesecake Factory. I know, and Wendy knows this, I mean, if we go to Cheesecake Factory, we're going to spend a lot of time looking at that menu. And I say we, Wendy. Because she, she likes all the choices. She needs to see all the choices so she can make a decision. There's nothing wrong with that. Almost inevitably, she picks what she's had before. Which, of course, this is, I'm just providing a little marriage counseling. Don't roll your eyes, guys, when it happens. Or, ladies, if it's your husband, just smile and be thankful that they ordered, right? It's true. Just give them grace. Like, let them do all the things. My, my kids, uh, picking out a Christmas tree was always this way because we would go pick out a Christmas tree. And, again, Wendy, she just needs to see all the options. And we would almost every year get out of the car, walk onto the lot, and four of the five of us would go, that's the one. And then, because, you know, kids are like, can we just be done? And I'm like, that's probably the one, guys. Let's give it some time. And then we would walk through the whole lot, look at all the trees with all the colored tags, and then we'd come back around and we would say, that's the one. And my kids would be like, that's the one we said. But 
you just sometimes need to see it all. And God understands how you're wired. None of this is made to, is, is delivered to make any of you feel bad for wanting to see all the options. My point is, if we just kept circling the lot, if we just sat at Cheesecake Factory and they had to walk out and go, we're going to have to close. You've been here for hours and you haven't ordered anything. That's the cycle and the loop that the enemy wants you and I to be stuck in. He wants us to continually be weighing our option about whether Jesus is worth it. And at some point, we just have to say yes. Wendy and I use this devotional tool called Lectio 365. It's an app. I would highly recommend it. And we were listening to it this, this past week, and I heard one, the lady that was reading the devotion, she made this statement. She said, I've learned to say to the Lord, the answer is yes. Now, what was the question? And that's what we're talking about. Like getting to a place in your life where you don't have to give mental thought and power and, and energy to deciding if Jesus is still worth it. But you've made that decision, Right? I don't know if you know this, but Steve Jobs wore the same outfit every day. Did you know that Barack Obama had two suits that he picked from every day? Some of the most powerful people wear the same thing, not because they're lazy, but because they don't want to give any energy to making that decision. They just want to get up, open a closet, and go, I'll take the gray one, <laughs> right? Or in Steve Jobs, like, I'll take the black turtleneck. No thought required because they want to give their energy to a greater decision down the road. I believe this, that the church is spinning its wheels. Because we keep trying to convince ourselves to make the same decision over and over and over and over again. And what God's after are people that will count the cost and then simply say, yes. Now, what was the question? In my finances, yes. In my life, in my career, yes. I will choose Jesus and then let him lead me. And the end result of that is um, clarity replaces confusion. Focus replaces fear. And courage fuels our witness. I, I started with a story that I've told before, so I'll close with one too. I was on staff with a pastor who um, served with, with YWAM, that's Youth with a Mission. And he told us this story about when he, when he first got called to go to Youth with a Mission. I remember he was a young man, and he was sitting in his room, and, and he felt like God said, go to, you need to go to Hawaii and be with Youth with a Mission. And he was not in Hawaii. He was in a, somewhere in the States. And he said to God, I, I don't know how to, I don't have any money. I don't have any resources. I, how am I going to get to Hawaii? And he felt like God said, don't tell me what you don't have and what you can't do. What can you do? And he was like, I mean, I guess I can get out my suitcase. And so he pulled his suitcase out, opened up on the bed. He's like, okay, God, I pulled out my suitcase, but I still can't get to Hawaii. He's like, what can you do? Well, I guess I can pack my suitcase. So he packed his suitcase. And then the next decision was, well, now my suitcase is packed. God, I, I still can't get to Hawaii. He's like, well, what can you do? I guess I can take my suitcase and go down to the sidewalk. And so he did. 
And then you stand there like an idiot. Are you feeling the idiocy of this? And he's like, God, um, now I'm here on the sidewalk with my suitcase, but I still don't have any way to get to the airport. He's like, well, what can you do? I, I, I guess I can just stay here and wait. And then a, a taxi pulled up. He got in the taxi, and he's like, God, I, I don't have any money to pay the taxi cab, but I guess I can just get in the cab. And he gets in the cab, and as soon as he gets in the cab, the other door opened, and somebody else got in the cab who had money and was going to the airport. Yeah. And he was like, I'll just ride along go to the airport. He got to the airport, told God, I'm, well, here I am, but I don't have any way to get to Hawaii. Well, what can you do? I, I can walk inside the terminal and sit. So he did. You can kind of tell where this is going. It wasn't long before some random stranger came up and gave him a ticket to Hawaii. Some of y'all are like, I'm packing my bags tomorrow, right? And he ended up in Hawaii in a cab going to Youth with a Mission. And that began his ministry at Youth with a Mission. The point here is the enemy wants to overwhelm us with all of the what-ifs and impossibilities. And I, I would if I could, but I can't, so I won't. And all God's saying is, will you just choose me? Will you just say yes to me? And if you'll say yes to me, I will take care of the rest. Every moment is just another yes. Some of you have chosen not to serve Jesus this week. Because you're scared of what might happen two decades from now if you, choose, if you served him. He's like, I've already, I'm taking care of the next two decades. I'm just asking you for right now. Don't be stuck in indecision. Don't keep making the decision, okay, okay, I'll serve you again. I'm sorry I didn't. Just, man, my answer is yes. There's a verse that says that Jesus set his face like stone towards Jerusalem. It's just his way of saying, like, that's the mission. That's where I'm going. And when you and I stop deciding about Jesus and just say, I'm with Jesus, that's my answer. Everything else, it just kind of works itself out. Some of it's good and some of it's hard and some of it's painful, but it's all with Jesus. And that's the point. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. I'm going to call you quickly because we're going to wrap this up. Just I'm going to call you quickly to recommit to Jesus. Well, what about my marriage? What about my school? What about my hobby? What about this thing I love to do? Can I keep doing that? I, I don't know. But right now, in this moment, he's just asking you for a yes. Listen to Renee, okay? During worship. The Lord's kept speaking a scripture to me over and over and over in my mind. And I felt like I was supposed to walk up here during worship and just read the scripture, and I did not do it. 
I just went on and did what I was doing in hospitality and just came in here a little bit ago, so I, don't, I didn't know what the sermon was about. But when I got in here, he read the scripture. So I'm going to read the whole scripture and tell you what the Lord has told me this morning to say. It's Deuteronomy 30, 15. See, I have set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, and to keep his commandments, decrees, and laws. Then you will live and increase. And the Lord your God will bless you in the land, and you will enter to possess it. But if your heart turns away, and you are not obedient, and if you are drawn away to bow down to other gods and worship them, I declare to you this day that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live in the land you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. So this day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God. Listen to his voice and hold fast to him for the Lord is your life. Can I get a Kleenex? And he will give you many years in the land he swore to give your fathers Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The key part is that he is calling heaven and earth as witnesses against us that we are to choose life and death. And I'm going to stand here today. I don't know I'm supposed to do this today. I have chosen to live. choosing, and y'all are my witnesses today, that I'm choosing to live again. So I know there are people out here that need to choose to live again. There are things that are dead in your life that he wants to raise up. Only you know what that is. But uh, today I'm choosing to say yes and do what he's called me to do and to stay the course and to live. So you'll, some phrases you'll hear me say a lot. So I'll say the word, the phrase thin place a lot. And a thin place is when heaven meets earth. It just gets so thin. And this is that moment. There is a storm coming. storm is coming God simplifies things he says get ready and stay steady and that's how he does it I call heaven and earth as witnesses I set before you life and death now choose life 
thank you, Renee, just for being courageous. So I'm going to call you to an action. I want you to close your eyes because I don't want you to be swayed by anybody else in the room. Because there's a storm coming. Oh, my gosh, what could that mean? And, like, what do I have to do? And I just instead of being overwhelmed by all that, he just simply says, today, choose life. Choose life. Again, John 10, 10, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He brings options and distraction. But Jesus said, I have come to bring life. He is the door to more. And how do we get ready for the storm? choose Jesus we put our hand in the hand of the one who slept in a boat during a storm and we say I don't know all that that has for me but I know that if I'm with you I'm going to be okay I'm going to get ready with you so today just by your action of this is your way of saying yes like Renee just said you're my witnesses I'm choosing to live again I'm choosing life If that's your commitment as well, I'm just going to ask you to stand where you are. Just stand. I'm choosing to say yes to life. I'm choosing to live again. I'm choosing to move forward with Jesus no matter what comes. I'm choosing to focus on who I know, not all the things I don't understand. I'm choosing Jesus here and now. He is who I'm with, period. And God, I just pray over those that have stood. And would you just, if you're standing, would you just place your hands out in front of you? I pray that as their hands are in front of them right now, just like mine is, I pray, God, that they would see in their mind's eye your hand going into theirs. They would look up and see your face full of expectation and love and courage. And they'd hear you say, come, follow me. Oh, and that we would just renew our commitment, that we would squeeze your hand, God, and say, come hell or high water, I'm with you. My decision is made. I'm burning the ships. I'm all in. God, the the beautiful thing about burning the ships is that going back is no longer on the table as an option. That decision is gone. Our hands are in your hand, and we are with you. God, do what you will from this point forward. Our answer is yes. Now, what? is the question. I pray the power of the Holy Spirit, God, again, would fill us and strengthen us for whatever that question is, to stay in step with the Spirit as we walk with you. That is our decision. Though none go with me, still I will follow because I have decided to follow Him. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.